we have the Word of God. All right, let's take our Bibles and let's go to Psalms this morning. Psalm 138, all right? Psalm 138, and I know we've been studying the miracles of Christ as we find them in the gospel records, uh, but if you'll allow me, if you'll allow me, I'd like to deviate from that. We only got about three more miracles to go through, and some of you may be glad about that. If you are, do not say amen, just keep it to yourself, okay? But uh, we only got a few more to go through, but I'd like to deviate from it this morning and go to Psalm 138, because what I have on my mind, on my heart this morning, is, uh, is the subject of revival. And especially, I guess, I'm thinking ahead to our revival next week. I've been thinking a lot about it, been praying a lot about it, and been praying for Brother Carragher a lot. But on my heart this morning, I would like to consider uh, the subject, and draw our attention at least, to the subject of, of revival for just, for just a little bit. Now, there are some today who believe that revival, listen, they believe that revival is not possible. They believe that revival meetings really are pointless. They believe setting a, t- a time aside to seek the Lord for revival uh, collectively, yes, but more importantly, I think, on the matter personally, setting a time aside to seek revival is pointless. And just in case you're wondering, I am not one of those. I do not believe setting aside a time to seek the Lord for revival is pointless. I do not believe revival is pointless. I rather believe it is absolutely possible. I believe it's possible. If I didn't believe in revival, I would not set a time aside to seek the Lord for such. I would not invite individuals to come in and to, and to preach. If I did not think it was possible or if I thought it was pointless, why do it? So I believe it is possible. I believe it's important. I believe God did put in the, in the Word of God for a gift to the church evangelist. I believe that to help us and to equip us and to mature us and to grow us. I believe it's important. So I do believe revival is absolutely possible. And would you agree with me this morning, this very thing, that not only is it possible, revival is very much needed. We would say yes to this. Most of us, I believe, we would say yes, we need revival in our country, Pastor Philip, in our communities. And I'd say amen to that. And when I think of revival in our country and revival as a as a whole, in a, in a big community kind of thing, my mind goes to this verse in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Sigionoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known in wrath. Remember mercy. Yes, we need revival in our country. It, look, I'm, I'm a young man. I haven't been on the, in this country very long, this earth very long, but just my short years, I can tell you, good night, it's not what it used to be. And many of you that are twice my age, maybe a little older, you would say, good night, you've not seen anything, Brother Philip. But it's not like it used to be. We need a revival in our country, in our communities. We need a revival in our churches. Our churches need revival. When I think of that, this verse comes to mind in Psalm, uh, Psalm 85, rather. Psalm 85, verse 6. Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Would you agree with me this morning that our churches need revival? Absolutely. And if you don't think our country needs revival, if you don't think that our churches need revival, you, you just, but I guess you've been sleeping for the past several years. I don't know, but... We need it. 
We need revival. But the question is this, how do we see that? How do we get to a Holy Spirit, true Holy Spirit revival in our lives? How do we get that? How do we see our churches filled with revival fire? How do we see our homes revived? Our homes holy and happy. I'm talking about Christian homes. Believers, mom, dad's believer. Those homes holy and, and happy again. How do we... How do we see that? Well, it doesn't come just because we have a meeting on our calendar, though we do. It doesn't come just because of that. It doesn't come just because we invite a big-name preacher in to preach to us. That's not how it comes or why. It's not because you get the right singing group in that will stir you up. That's not what brings in revival. It's none of those things in particular. But I believe revival can happen when this happens. Listen very carefully. When we personally, as individuals, get right with God, personally. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. When we personally fall in love with Jesus all over again. When we personally do this. As individuals, we can see a church as a whole have revival, see revival when individuals have personal revival. You see, if individual Christians would care more about their personal walk with the Lord and would confess their own personal sins to God and would be more concerned over their lack of holiness than than concerned over the sins of others and, and concerned over the lack of holiness of others, then I think you can see something happen. Revival can begin to spark and disturb. When individuals begin to get right with the Lord, it starts as a personal revival. And what marks a good revival? I mean, we're, going to, we're having a revival meeting, revival uh, time next, next Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. What, what marks a good revival, though? How can you leave a meeting like that and say, you know, we've had a good revival? How, how, what, what marks a good, a good revival? Well, some think a good revival, a good mark of it would be when, when the church building is full. Now, now, look, don't get me wrong. I want the church building full, okay? I want to reach people. I do. I have a desire to see this building filled and overflowing. We've got to do something bigger and better. I want to, absolutely, all right? But I don't want to be just an inch deep and a mile wide. I want to be a mile deep and a mile wide, all right? But the footers take the longest to build. But it's not just because we have buildings full of people. It's not just because people, many people come to Jesus Christ as their Savior and they would say, look, we have, we have many people say we had a good revival. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that at all. We are absolutely working towards that. We are praying towards that. We are inviting people again to church this coming next Sunday for Friend and Family Day. And I'm praying that many people come to know Jesus as their Savior. I am praying that way. I believe in God that way. And I hope you are too. But is that the mark of a good revival? I think a mark of a good revival is this, is, uh, is this. I'm, I'm no expert on revival at all, if there ever even is such a thing, the expert on revival. But I think a good, good mark on revival is, is this, and really any meeting. And, and I like how Scott Pauley put it. He put it this way. Uh, a mark of a good revival is this, listen. When God speaks to you personally, personally, so that's why, listen, when, when, when we pray, I always ask, I try at least to encourage you to ask the Lord to speak to you personally. 
to speak to your heart from the Word of God today. I encourage you to do that. Every time we come to a service, every time we come to uh, Sunday school, Sunday mornings, Wednesday, whatever, Sunday night, when we come to the Word of God, you should always ask God to speak to you personally. Anytime you come to read the Bible in your own personal devotion time, ask God to speak to you personally. I think it's a good mark of revival when God speaks to you personally and then you do something about it. You live in that obedience out of what God has spoke to you from the Word of God. You live in obedience to God. We need a revival of obedience to the Word of God. We need that. We need the Lord personally in our lives, not just for salvation, but for everyday living. We need the Lord personally in our life. So let me ask you this morning, I'm going to dive into Psalm 38 in just a second, but let me ask you this morning, and you don't need to really answer out loud, but Maybe just answer in your own honesty, good word there, honesty of your own hearts, is do you need personal revival? Do you need revival personally in your own heart and life? Maybe I can ask it this way, and it gets a little bit more convicting to me. Has there ever been a time you were closer to Jesus than you are right now? If the answer to that is yes, I was closer to the Lord, you know, a year ago or a month ago or two years ago or ten years ago or whatever. If the answer is yes, I've been closer to the Lord than I am now, then guess what you need? A personal revival. And I'm asking God to do that in our hearts and lives and in our homes. Lord, revive us as individuals. We need you. Personal revival. As we come to Psalm 138, I think we see at least a prayer a prayer of personal revival that David had here. So let's dive right into it. In Psalm 138, all right? Psalm 138, and let's just read the whole psalm. Psalm 138, verse number one. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. And the day when I, when I cry, thou answerest me and strengthens me with strength in my soul. Oh, we need that so much. Strengthen our soul. Strengthen our minds. Oh, Lord, please do it. Verse number four. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will protect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Our Father, as we come to the word of God this morning, I pray that you would speak through our hearts. And Lord, show us our need. There's many needs here, no doubt, Lord. But sure, it's our need of personal revival. There may be some here that don't really need that. But others of us, Lord, we need you to do a great work in our hearts and lives. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. Oh, Lord, will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Lord, help us to consider this subject this morning of personal revival. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, I want to ask this question before we start. Do you need a personal revival? And we can see some basic elements of the Christian life that if they are missing or lacking in our life, then it could prove that we 
need personal revival in our life. And number one, here's one, if it's missing, we need personal revival. Number one, if our praise and worship is missing, well, we need revival. Look at verse number one again. David speaking, writing, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Now when I say if praise and worship is missing from your life, when I say that I'm not talking, I'm not talking about a certain genre of music, all right? I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about something we just listen to or not talking about something we watch others do. When I talk about praise and worship, what I'm really speaking about is really a matter of, of, of life, a way of life. Because listen, this is what David's life was all about. It was about a life of worshiping and praising God. You can see that in verse 1 again. He says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods, will I sing praise unto thee? He said, I will worship. Look, this is a way of life for him. He was going to worship and praise the Lord. Now, many times when we think of David, we don't usually first think of him as a worshiper, right? Many times when we think of David, we rather think of him as a warrior. Now, I want to say a phrase. We've done this before. I'm going to do it again. I want to say a phrase. I want you to finish it, all right? David and? Okay. I heard of Goliath a lot. <laughs> That's kind of what set him apart. That's what kind of started his ministry, if you will, if I can say it that way, one of the greatest days of his life. And many times we are characterized by our greatest day or our worst day, and in David's case, really, he's characterized by both. David and Goliath, David and Bathsheba. Goliath, best day, Bathsheba, worst day. But it's characterized primarily by David and Goliath. And when we think of that, we think of David going to battle. And we think of David being a warrior. We, we define his life that way. We equate him as a warrior. And he was. Make no mistake about it, he was a man's man. He was no sissy. That's a good theological word for you, all right? But he was a man's man. He was a fighter. The Bible says a man of war. He was a warrior, he was a fighter. So yes, he was a fighter, but understand, he was a warrior, but understand, he, he was also a worshiper as well. Just as being a warrior was part of his life, being a man was part of his life, being a worshiper was as well. And when you study the life of David, you find him worshiping in every stage of life. As a shepherd boy, taking care of his father's sheep, you will find him worshiping. And you can read that. He wrote it a little bit older, older age, but you can read in Psalm 23, just thinking back to his younger days as a shepherd, Psalm 23. You can see also he's in a older days of his life, as an older man taking care of the nation of Israel, you find him worshiping in Psalm 37. He says, I've been young, now I'm old, but look, I've never seen, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. Look, he, he worshiped the Lord from a young man even to an older man. All stages of life, he was worshiping God. Not only in all stages of life, but you can find him worshiping God in all circumstances of life as well. Yes, you find him worshiping God when things were going great. You can find that in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. Remember what happened there? It was when the Ark of the Covenant came back to Jerusalem. And the Bible says this. 
And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. David was excited here in a great day to be alive as a Hebrew, bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem where it belonged. The Bible says he danced before the Lord. He, he leaped before the Lord. This, now, just so you know, this dancing was not a two-step or a salsa, all right? This was more of a jumping up and getting excited kind of thing. But he was worshiping before the Lord, seeing the Ark come back, seeing a great victory for Jerusalem and for the Hebrews at this time, it would have been a great day. And no wonder they shouted and worshipped the Lord. They should have. It was a good day. And if we're honest with ourselves, we would agree this is the easiest time to worship the Lord when things are going good. When, 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 when the bills are paid and you've got extra money to go out to Starbucks. And after you go to Starbucks, you ain't got no more money because Starbucks is expensive. You know. uh, but things are going good. It's a time to worship when your favorite football team wins. Rovals, all right. When they win, it's a time to get excited. Uh, sorry, I had to throw that in there. I apologize. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Forgive me, all right. But anyway, when things are going good, you get excited and you thank God and you praise the Lord. But David didn't just worship during those times. Oftentimes, you find David praising and worshiping God in the darkest days of his life. And one of those days you can find in Psalm 63, verses 1 through 7, is David writing these words as he is on a run for his life yet again from King Saul. And at this moment, King Saul has basically chosen 3,000 choice soldiers that have been like uh, SEAL Team 6 of the day, if I can say it that way. Chosen soldiers to take with him to hunt down Saul and to kill him. In the wilderness of Engedi. In Psalm 63, David finds a quiet place and sits down and writes these words in silence and says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Listen, this is one of the darkest days of his life. What does he do? He sits down and he worships. Why? Because part of who he is. He worships. And praises and thanks the Lord. And if you didn't know, as you read Psalm 63, if you didn't know the historical context behind it, uh, that's where he wrote it in the wilderness of Engedi. Would you ever think that's where he wrote this psalm? Me personally, I would have never thought that. I would have thought it had been maybe just a few days after he had gotten the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem or maybe a few days after a wonderful victory that God had given to them or after a time of revival. <laughs> but he worshiped the Lord in this dark circumstance of life now, is that of his control? Why? Because it's part of his life. He said again in our text in Psalm 138, verse 1, I will praise thee. I will sing. Look, it's part of his life. It's part of who he is. But let me ask you this this morning. Is it part of who you are? You're singing, you're praising, you're worshiping God. Is it a way of life for you? Or have you lost your song 
if we've lost it or given it up, maybe we need personal revival. What other element that might be missing that could prove we may need a personal revival? Well, not only of our praise and worship be gone, but what about our passion for the word? If that is missing, I dare say we need a personal revival. Look at verse number two. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. I want to ask you a personal question this morning, asking the science and honesty of your heart. Do you have and how is your passion for God's Word? Do you love it? Do you read it? Do you learn it? Here's a better question. Do you obey it? I think when it comes to obeying the Word of God, that's one of the greatest marks of a true disciple. Following the Lord and obeying Him. Yes, it's love one for another, absolutely, but His commandments are not grievous, and we are to obey them. But do you love the Word of God and learning the Word of God in such a way that you want to obey the Word of God, and not just on Sundays, by the way, but really every day? We should be in the Word of God, learning, reading, loving, studying, obeying. How is your love for God's Word? We get a little bit of a a glimpse of David's passion for the Word of God in verse number 2. Again, look at it with me. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. He says, I'll praise thy name for thy truth. David was thankful for the truth of the word of God. And by the way, make no mistake about it, the word of God is truth. Jesus made that very plain in John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. He made it very plain. And David was so thankful for the word of God. For many times, this was the only thing that would keep him going as he's hanging on by a thread when things were not going his way and it seemed all hope was lost. This, the word of God, was the only thing that would keep him going. He said this in Psalm 119, verse 161 through verse 162. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in all of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. David had such a heart and passion for the word of God. You can see it again in Psalm 119, 97. He says, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. But can we agree to that and say that with full confidence in our heart? Oh, I love your word, Lord. I love it. How is the passion for the word of God? We see a glimpse here from David, but we also see a glimpse of the passion that God has for his own word. Look again in verse number two. At the end of it, he says, For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Uh, History tells us that the Old Testament scribes held the name of the Lord in such high regard that they would not even write out, listen, write out the vowel sounds of Yahweh thus rendering the writing of the name of the Lord Y-H-W-H, which makes the name of the Lord really unspeakable. And not only that, tradition says that they would throw away the pen after they wrote the name Yahweh. They would throw away the pen so as not to dishonor any other, uh, dishonor the, the name of the Lord with any other lesser word. 
So they write down, as they're, as they're pinning or, or copying the scriptures, they'll write down why, uh, Yahweh, and then take that pen, throw it away, wash their hands, and then come back and to complete the, the writings or the, trans, or the uh, transcribing of the Word of God. And no matter how many times they came to Yahweh in a passage, they would do that over and over and over and over again. Why? Because they had such reverence for the name of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the name of the Lord. I'm thankful for the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Come on, guys. Oh, where's it at? Here it is. I am thankful for the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. I got another side, too. Glory. All right. But I'm thankful for that name above all names. The name of Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the name of the Lord. Yet we read here in this psalm that the Lord honors his own word above his own name. I don't know about you, that shows me a lot of passion that God has for his own word. But do we have the same passion for God's word as David, as the Lord? It's like Job said. I love what he said when he wrote these down. In Job 23, 12, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. All that Job had gone through, all that he was going through, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't relief that he desired most. It wasn't help that he desired most. Rather, what he desired most in his darkest days was this, the Word of God. That's what he desired most. He would rather starve to death if that meant he would get God's Word. But many people today, sadly, believers today, would rather die, or, or actually dying really spiritually, because they're not digesting or in the Word of God. And they're spiritually starving. They need to be in the Word. I like what one author said. He said, God has condescended himself to be an author, and yet many will not even read the book he wrote. How is your passion for the Word of God? If it's lacking in our life, I dare say we need a personal revival. Revival of the book, back in our life. What other elements could we, could we be missing and, and prove or, or at least maybe point to the fact we may need a personal revival? Well, if this one's missing, look at verse number three. In the day when I cried, thou answered me and strengthest me with strength in my soul. Listen, if prayer is missing, then it could be we need a personal revival. Now understand this prayer here wasn't just some run-of-the-mill routine, just some repetitious prayer he would pray, empty prayer type of thing he would pray. No, sir, this, the Bible says here this is a cry. This was a calling out to God. It was a cry to an infinite God in, the, in, this, in this situation. He is crying out, inviting God in his life. Look at verse 3 again. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me. And strengthens me with strength in my soul. Meaning he was at the point where it's almost over. He's done. But what did he do? Again, a dark day of his life. He cried out to God. And God heard and answered him. He cried out inviting God. In his life and circumstance, it's, it's, 
It's what he was doing. Now, sometimes when we pray, really, when we pray, what we do is we more or less inform God. God knows everything. We know this. But sometimes when we come to God with our needs, it's more like a laundry list of things. We, we pray for, and I'm guilty of this, all right? And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. Don't get me wrong. God does desire for us to come to Him and ask and to be specific when, when we pray, bring our requests to Him. He, he does invite us to do that. Don't get me wrong. But that's not all prayer is. It's informing God. I think a big part of prayer is really this. It's, it's inviting God. Inviting God in your situation, in your circumstance, into your life. God, help me. God, be with me. God, come into my life. Inviting God in this situation. This is what prayer does. It invites God into our lives. And God delights in this. In Proverbs 15, 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. And I believe David knew this all too well because often you would see David praying Psalm 55, 16 through 17. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Again, prayer just wasn't something David did. It was, again, part of who he was and he incorporated that, no doubt, in his worship. Prayer is a matter of worship. Uh, Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's, a, that's an act of worship there. I believe that's part of David's life was prayer and praise and worship. But if this is missing again, if prayer is missing from our life, I dare say we need, we need a personal revival. So let me ask you a question before we move on. Do you pray? So yeah, I, I pray. We're getting ready to go to lunch here in a minute. If you hurry up, and we'll pray over our food, and, and uh, you know, and I'm I'm going to have to pay bills this week. Uh, trust me, I'll be praying. <laughs> yeah, I pray, Pastor. No, no, look. Not just during those times. It's good to thank God for your food. It's biblical. It's good to pray over your needs. It's biblical. But do you pray just to spend time with God? Have you ever come to the Lord praying and saying, Lord, I don't want nothing. I just want to come say thank you and I love you and sit in silence in the presence of God. If that's missing, could it be that we need personal revival? This was evident in David's life often, not always, but often. At times when he found himself missing this element in his life, he would find himself confessing his sin and getting right with God, a.k.a. personal revival. So if this is missing, we need personal revival. And lastly, I want to see this element. If it's missing, could it be that we need personal revival? And it's this one. Not only our praise and worship, not only spending time in, in, in prayer, and not only our passion for the Word of God, but, but this one our proclamation of the gospel, if that's missing, I dare say we need personal revival. Let me ask you something this morning. When's the last time you talked to somebody about the Lord? When's the last time you gave somebody the gospel? When's the last time you talked about spiritual things, allowing your conversation to go there? 
When's the last time? If it's been a while or maybe never, look, maybe it could be we need personal revival. If our conversations are consistently void of God and the gospel, we need personal revival. This is, after all, the last thing, last command, verbal command that Jesus gave to his disciples. You shall be witnesses. God wants you and I to be a witness, to give the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the way, the gospel is still the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, the Jew first and also the Greek. But we must give it. We must give the gospel, and it's not just for the pastor and youth pastor and deacons and Sunday school teachers and anybody else. It's for everybody, everybody, every born-again believer to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, every one of us, every one of us. Look at verse number four. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when. There it is. When they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. People need to hear the truth, folks. I know our world is terrible, all right? I think one of the most quoted verses from Christians today is this. Well, the Bible says, evil men seducers wax worse and worse. Well, you're right. The Bible does say that, but if you read the next verse, it says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast both learned and been assured of. You know, one of the things I've learned and been assured of, the gospel changes lives. Absolutely it does. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know why? You heard the gospel, and guess what? It changed your life. Someone told you, though. It changes lives. I'm assured of that. I'm confident of that. And so I want to continue to give that. The death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sinners and sins of the world and he rose again from the grave to give us life and give us life eternal and it's by grace and through faith in him we are saved whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved it's by faith I'm thankful all that Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary an empty tomb I'm assured of that, that gospel message to change lives today, the truth to change lives today. I'm assured of that. Therefore, continue in it. Continue giving the gospel. But if that's missing from your life, you haven't done it, I haven't done it a long time, maybe. Could it be? Maybe. We just need a little personal revival. Getting back to that renewed urgency of the hour of telling people about Jesus Christ. Could it be? Listen, there, there's other things we could look at that may be missing, but these are just some real simple core elements, if, you, if I can say it that way. But if they're missing from our life, I'm talking about personally. I'm not talking about your wife or your husband or your kids or your grandkids or grandma or grandpa or, or the left church and the right church or, a, or the middle church, all right? I'm not talking about you pointing to those people. Yeah, they need to hear that, preacher. Ha! You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you. Personally. Personally. God, am I praying? God, do I have the passion for the word of God? Lord, Lord, am I proclaiming the gospel as I should? Am I giving it at all? Lord, help me. So our invitation will be a little bit different this morning. As we're thinking about revival and thinking about personal revival, it's kind of twofold. What I'm going to ask you to do this morning is this. Yes, I'm going to ask you to come to this altar and pray. Pray for two things. At the very beginning, many of you said you commit to invite someone to 
Friend and family day this next Sunday. That's great. I want to ask you in this moment, when we get ready to sing in just a moment, hymn of invitation kind of thing. In that moment, I ask you to come to this altar and I want you to pray for them specifically by name. All right? Pray for them specifically by name. And God give you the give you the boldness to speak to them and invite them and continue to pray for them. But also do, do this. Pray that God would specifically speak to you in a very personal way and show your need, if you need it, personal revival. And pray this prayer. This is a great prayer to pray. It's found written in the Word of God. In Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, Search me, O God. Search me, search me, search me. Don't search, don't search my, my brother who I think is wayward. Uh, don't, don't, don't search my, my wife or my, my husband. You know how, how unruly they are or can be. No, no, no. Search me. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Look, this is a prayer, personal revival. Oh, God, search me. Search me. So the prayer is twofold. Praying for that loved one this morning. And praying for yourself. That God would do a deep searching work in your heart and life and show us our need for renewed love and revival for God, for His Word, for prayer, for worshiping Him, proclaiming the gospel.